We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Joined today by a man who um I guess learned his lesson. Don't don't send don't send a dollar to any begging Saudi princes who are out of luck. Um don't give their Twitter password to their like dry cleaner. Um I don't know. Fred Fred Katz of the Athletic. It's been an interesting last few weeks for you. How you doing, buddy? I'm great. Got my Twitter back just in time to see Berman slander me. It was great. I didn't know if it was Every- if we were gonna go over there or not. So let's go. Dude, it's so funny. How are we not? <laughs> he has come off the top rope like a solid half dozen times. He's just so in Palm funny. Beach or wherever he is. Like he's just he's just so funny. He's he just kills me. He kills me. Coming out, passive aggressively tweeting about my stories, not adding me, not mentioning the story, no. but you know he's tweeting about me. Yeah. It I was, wanted to was, text him, but I was like, you know what? I don't I don't need to. I'm just gonna tweet at him. Let him know I saw it. I he did you me. see I mean I to be clear, I, I love Mark, to be clear. Oh, Mark's Mark's great. Mark did you see the picture of him in front of I, I guess I call it an automobile? It was on Twitter. Oh yeah. What was is I I want to believe that that is his car and that he drives it around. <laughs> I not, really do, but I yeah I figure it's not his car, and it's like a pink car with an so so for those who didn't see it because they <laughs> have probably lives like us and don't live on Twitter all the time. Yeah. Mark Berman, former Knicks beat reporter for the New York Post, longtime reporter. I'm sure if you listen to this podcast, you know who Berman is. Yeah, Mark Berman uh, tweeted out a picture of him wearing a relax shirt, obviously. It was the phenomenal moment when Mitchell when Mitchell Robinson told him to relax uh, during a presser last year, and he was in front of a car that was like pink with an alligator on it, and uh, several alligators. Just, I think I think there were more than yes. one alligator on the car. Yeah. <laughs> several alligators. Yeah. Well, he is in Florida, so there are there always are several. There are just several alligators everywhere. Uh, yes. But I'll add some color for you. I oh. mean, you know, Mitchell Robinson saw it and retweeted it. Yes. Mitchell Robinson also was obsessing in the locker room the other day about the car. Was he? Because he asked, yeah, because he asked us. He was like, You guys see Berman's relaxed shirt? And we were laughing about it. And he was like, Is that his car? Like, what is that car? <laughs> and Steve Popper's like, No, that's that's not that's not his car. But reasonable question. I think it's I think it's very reasonable. Um Funny you bring up Mitch. We're gonna we're gonna talk about him in a bit because you have a story dropping on Mitch that you've been working on. I think probably, I don't know, since you were in college. Maybe you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't oversell it. When when you say that, like I've been working on it for a long time, it makes it sound like like it's oh, this is some huge thing. Don't this undersell this piece. It's it's short. It's the worst piece of journalism I'll ever put out in my life. So. Saying I've been working on it for a long time is is really just going to make me sound even less impressive. Uh, I, I don't know about that. Uh, we're going to get to that in a second. But first, you wrote a piece that is, um, 
I'll go out on a limb and say a, a bit more, a bit more serious. It was, a, it's a, a lovely piece. It is a, it is a, a piece essentially that is an ode to where this franchise is at right now, where the New York Knicks are at after um, what I think anybody would agree is a successful season. Although apparently some former beat writers would dispute that it is. I don't know what the hell Mark was saying. The point is, this has been a really good season for the Knicks, and you wrote about it, and your your point, that's what Berman took issue with. Your point was that they are ahead of schedule. And I, I think it, the piece is great because it really does detail how this is a team that, for all intents and purposes, like anytime you have a, a, a fan base full of diehard crazies like myself, and like 95% of us, excluding Robert Cross, had this team at something less than what they're going to finish at. That means that they've done something right by definition, right? Yeah, totally. And and, and when I say ahead of schedule in the story, the context that I put it in is, okay, the, I, I brought up, the I, I invoked the Donovan Mitchell trade, which I, I try not to do, or the non-trade, I should say. I, I try not to do that because it's, it's just reality, like, though. I know, but it's just like, I, I'm so over it. And if I'm over it, then I'm sure my readers are over it. Like, it's just kind of a tired topic, Fair. you know? Um, but I invoke the Donovan Mitchell trade to try to put it into a greater context because the logic around the Donovan Mitchell trade at the time was one of the reasons the Knicks can't give up all this stuff for Donovan Mitchell is because they won't have enough left to trade for a second star. And the thing that I wrote, it was a criticism that I had of them at the time. I wrote it. I said it on podcasts. I probably yep. said it on this podcast. You did. Like one of the things that came out of that was like, okay, I, I didn't have any problem with them not trading for Mitchell. That would have been a lot for them to give up for the first guy. I had no problem. I didn't blame them for that. I didn't think their process was bad. But what I think came mounted from that in terms of just like long-term evaluation is okay. The next guy who's as good as Donovan Mitchell is going to cost as much or more than Donovan Mitchell. So you're going to be going through the exact same process over once again, next summer or next trade deadline or whatever. And that was the reason that I brought it up because that's no longer the context after this year. And I think no matter how this season ends, this season's a victory for the Knicks. Uh, because that's what makes them ahead of schedule. They came into this year, even they themselves thinking they were two stars away. And I think it's pretty clear that now at 46 and 33 with the number five offense in the league and with Jalen Brunson playing the way he's playing, Julius Randle playing the way he's playing, Quickly's development, a lot of the young guys they have around them and the way that they played since going down to nine guys in the rotation on December 4th, they're 36 and 20. Yep. I think it's pretty clear that they're one star away if it's the right star. That's if it's it might not be the right star, in which case, you know, whatever. But if it's a real star, we're talking a real A-list star. Like they're one star away. Well, um, and and that's huge. That's a big difference. It, it's a massive difference. And I just like for it, it's weird because we're not we meaning the NBA. It's not that far removed from when Kawhi Leonard was traded for DeMar DeRozan and, you know, a pick and I'm sorry, Yaka Pertle and a pick. Um, and when Paul George was traded for, you know, Victor Oladipo and Demonis Sabonis before Victor Oladipo and Demonis Sabonis were Victor Oladipo and Demonis Sabonis. So it's like, I think there is this, maybe this fallacy out there among some that like, hey, you never know, there might be the right circumstance. Like that doesn't happen anymore where you get like if, if a, now it's like if a guy's an All-NBA player, even if he's not an All-NBA player, if he's thought of in that echelon, you're just going to have to pay out the nose. Yeah. What now, I, now, yeah. now Derek white costs you a first round pick I, and a first round swap, you know, like a now few, a distant swap, as now, you pointed out. Yeah. Now DeJounte Murray costs you two unprotected and a protected. Um, and I know people say that that pick, uh, that pick that San Antonio got in the DeJounte Murray trade was the Charlotte trade. It was the Charlotte pick that, the Knicks formerly had that they traded for for Cam Reddish. Yeah, and a lot of people are like, oh, that's never going to convey. It's protected for a really long time and the Hornets suck. And if you look at teams analytics models that project mm-hmm. project how teams like how likely picks are to convey, that is projected to convey. 
in the analytics models. So I'm not saying it definitely will. I'm just saying that the the numbers say it is more likely than not to convey. So they they traded a protective pick and and two on protections for Dejounte Murray, who's a very good player, yeah. but he's not Paul George. Uh, no, you know, it's not quite. And he hasn't really changed the Hawks all that much. Uh, well, that's a man. I, I I wish we had time to like go around the league, and I want to get your opinions on all thirty teams because man, that Atlanta situation is is something. Um, but back to the Knicks. I want to. The other thing I wanted to say, I love how you put it, where you made sure to reference in the story that this team has one All Star and one guy who's likely to make All NBA, and that's Julius Randle. And yet, the way you talk about Jalen, the way you write about Jalen Brunson, and I completely agree with this because I've watched all of the games this season. Jalen Brunson, he feels like the star, right? Like, make sense of that, Fred? Because I'm. I'm not sure I can make sense of it, but it just, that's how it feels, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. It, it, it's his team. And, it and you know why? You know why it feels like that? Why? Because when you ask Julius Randle, hey, why, why are you so much better this year than you were last year? <laughs> yeah. What's the first thing he says? This is Jalen Brunson. Oh, well, I have Jalen Brunson now. Yeah. That's the first thing he said. So when Julius Randle himself is being like, yeah, well, J- Jalen Brunson's amazing. He's, he's helped me out everywhere. When he's saying it himself, then we all just got to be like, okay, yeah. I mean, you know, that's the last step. If he's saying it, then we all better say it, you know? Um, so I think he's, he's their engine. He's the one who makes them run. Uh, he is the one who I think has the biggest influence on their locker room, the off court stuff, all of that. Can, it, can I pick your brain on that for a sec? We're, yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm, we're not there. You are. Can you, can you give me some color color commentary on, on top of that? Like, give me a, maybe. Yeah, sure. Any, so Ju- yeah. Julius is, I mean, Julius is a hard worker and everything, but he's just like a quiet guy. Like he's, he's, a, he's a quiet kind of keeps to himself sort of personality. He's not like some huge life of the party person. I mean, this is not by the way, it's like, yeah. just, he's just, just he's a quiet, he's a, he's, he's a quiet Dude, he's not like some loud, uproarious dude. And I don't think Jalen is that either. Tibbs likes to talk about a situation where he was saying right after Jalen signed, uh, Jalen, like right after he signed, he was at the oh. practice facility. And then a few days later, there were just 10 other Knicks at the practice facility because he was there. Yeah. And I think it's stuff like that where Jalen's not really loud either. Um, he's He's definitely more of a modest personality, I would say. But like those guys definitely follow him for sure. Like if you, if you ask those guys in the locker room, like who, who's the leader of that team, they'll say Jalen. And by the way, Julius will say Jalen. It just, it just feels more like his team. And he's also the point guard. You know, when you're a point guard, it just naturally comes when you're the point guard, you're the guy who's facilitating everything, organizing everything. It's, it's your job to make sure like, okay, Mitch hasn't touched the ball in a little while. And he's starting to play his hand with his hands down on defense. Let's get him a touch. Like you're the one who is facilitating all that kind of stuff for the most part. There are obviously some teams where it's like LeBron or something, but for the most part, like that is the job task to the point guard. It's certainly the job task to the point guard. Now he's their crunch time guy too. I mean, what's 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 their most reliable crunch time offense? It's just I'm, give the ball to Jalen Brunson. He's third in I think he's still third in the league last I checked in crunch time points. Uh so on yeah. very good efficiency. Yeah, it, and on yes, on on very solid efficiency. Um I the thing about Brunson that's interesting to me is like he clearly <laughs> very clearly exists with a big chip on his shoulder that probably got bigger after what Dallas, I guess, didn't do last year or decided not, not to do. And yet you, you just said it. There is a humility about him where he does not carry himself. Like you mentioned LeBron James, like there, I don't know, maybe this is just my perception and feel free to correct me again. You're the one in the locker rooms. I feel like the, the, the personality of your common NBA superstar is, there's, there's, it's like big, you know, it's like they know that they act like they are an NBA superstar, which is, again, there's nothing wrong with that. Jalen Brunson doesn't seem to act like that. And yet he does have this outsized confidence because if he didn't have that outsized confidence, like how in the hell would he be able to go about his business? So like, there's that interesting tightrope. I feel like he's walking. Do you, yeah. do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. He got hot after high school. 
That's what you're saying. You got hot after high school. <laughs> that's that might be your best line since coming on this pod. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's what you're describing. That's exactly what it's literally to a T. Exactly what I am describing. Yeah, that's all it is. Okay, that's <laughs> we can move on. Last I mean, look, thing, he was, was a sec- he was a second round pick. Yeah, he he was a multi year college player. He's always had to scrounge. He's 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 very very very. He is like the most typical son of a coach ever. You know. Okay. Um, in terms of his personality makeup, I mean, I mean, look, when he got hurt in Miami. In that crazy game that ended with the Randall buzzer beater. When he got hurt, he hurt his ankle in that game. And there was a play under the rim where the Knicks were on defense. And there was some play under the rim. I forget exactly what happened, but he rolled his ankle and he went down. And he was like, he was like next to the stanchion out of bounds under the basket. And he was in pain. You could see he was in pain. And the Knicks ran back on offense and they had a four on five on offense and they liked to keep playing. And I think it was Jimmy Butler got a steal and was just coming down the other way. And Jalen's still under the basket and he is trying to hobble up the court. Like he is, is walking like he's like got a peg leg or something, right? Like he just can't put any weight on that leg. And Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy, I think it was Jimmy Butler. I, I think it, I, I, hope, I might be able to I look it up. I'm not misremembering this. It was someone on Miami and if it was someone on Miami, it was probably Jimmy Butler. So <laughs> I think keep, it was keep Jimmy going. Butler. I'm going to confirm. And I'm going to confirm this. He came flying down the court and, and Jalen Brunson hobbled to try to get out of the restricted area and, and attempted failed to do it, but attempted to take a charge on Jimmy Butler on that play. Uh, I actually, I actually asked him about it. I, I, I said, uh, I asked him, uh, did anybody tell you you were an insane person for doing that? <laughs> and, and he said, no. And I was like, well, that's, that's why he fits in with this team. You know, uh, that's just, I saw, I think it was you who tweeted out like, Oh no, Benji Riddles tweeted out like, can Jalen Brunson when it doesn't matter anymore, not take charges. Yeah. And, and yeah. I get where Benji's coming from <laughs> on that. I just, I don't think he's capable of that. I don't, I don't think he's capable of not playing the way that he plays all the time. Uh, it was Butler, by the way, um, because on the previous possession, Butler missed an, an easy shot. And then they came back and Randall missed the three. And then it was Butler who then made the, the, the layup on the ensuing, on the ensuing drive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, part, part of the reason that he wanted to come to New York is because he wanted to play for Tibbs. You know, that's, is that out there? I think that's out there. I, like, I, you just put it out there if it's not. Now it's out there. I mean, it's true. Part of the reason that he, he wants to come to New York is he wanted to play for Tibbs. He's known Tibbs since he was little and, and that's how he likes to be coached. You know, that's how his dad yeah. coached him. That's how he likes to be coached. And that's how he likes to play. And he just thought he would fit well. Uh, you know, it's just like he, he sets a, a different sort of, example you know it's it's almost like i'm trying to think because he's he's a very understated personality you know what i mean it's not like like big rah-rah personality either but i think people just follow him it sounds like you're describing the guy who i think is either the first or second top tips guy in the league and that's taj gibson yeah that's a good one yeah it's kind of like Taj Gibson. You know what I think is a really interesting dynamic, and I've always wondered about doing a story on it, and I just like don't really know how to do it without it just like, I don't know how to tell the story. But there's a world where Jalen Brunson comes in. He's known Tibbs since he was a little kid. Mm-hmm. His dad is not only a coach on the team, but has been Tibbs's guy forever. Sure. Every stop. Uh, he is known Leon since he was a little kid. Yep. He's friends with Leon's kids. Leon's son is his rep. Like there's a world where he comes in and either a few people in that locker room or most people in that locker room are like, well, coach's son, get whatever he wants. And it was just, not only was it never like that, he, he, at least, at least in my experience it yeah. wasn't like that from what he could tell uh, 
yeah, from what I can tell, it, it not only has it not been like that, but like they really respect him. They really listen to him. I think it's really interesting he was able to overcome that because you see some places where the where you play for a coach, a coach plays, you know, a son plays for his coach, or a, a son plays for his dad. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but it's mostly like in college and stuff and, and it causes some jealousy issues or whatever. I mean, this may be a bridge too far, but like, just throwing it right back to Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau is a pain in the fucking ass. He is beyond demanding. It, it can't be, I mean, it may be rewarding to play for him. It cannot be fun to, prepare for him just because that's it's i can't imagine it's that i would describe that as fun and yet i forget where i've read it but i've I've absolutely read it where players will be like or players have said or it has been written about players that they think this that like look we know he's putting in the time like it's not like anybody's questioning whether tom Thibodeau cares or is giving everything of himself so it kind of like if you're a player and he's the man like he's demanding that of you because that is what you are giving. So looking now, turning it to Brunson, if he's putting in all of the work, whether he's the coach's kid or not, like what are you going to do? The kid, the guy's putting in the work. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, what's, you know, what's interesting. I don't know if Tibbs does this or not, but you made me think of a, of a fun story where um, if you remember Antonio Daniels, he is now fourth pick in the draft. Fourth pick. I think he was the fourth pick in the draft. I think I'm thinking of Antonio Davis. Are you, Hold on. I know. I think I am thinking of Antonio Daniels. Daniels was the fourth pick in the draft. Oh, now. Okay. Now it's on. Here we go. If I could get you on this. If you can get me on this. If I mean, man, if I'm, if I'm way off, then this is staying in the pot and I'm going to just look very (laughs) stupid. But anyway, Antonio Daniels played in the nineties into the two thousands. He was like a a good, a good wing. He's now the color commentator for the um, New Orleans Pelicans. By the way. Sorry. Fourth pick in the draft. Fourth pick in the draft. Vancouver Grizzlies, wow. baby. How you I didn't doing? Realize that. Um. Anyway, he's a play-by-play or the uh, color <laughs> commentator for the New Orleans <laughs> Pelicans now. <laughs> he squawked in the middle of a sentence. Yeah, but listen, I have so little. I have so little that what I I remember. No, that's a good call. That, that's a good you. call. I'm impressed. I I will admit defeat. That's just so like good. I had to. Just like I had to with Berman. Just like I had to with the Hackers. Do I not admit. ever admit defeat with Berman. <laughs> you're not allowed then i won't let you back on the pod. sometimes you have to admit defeat with berman just so you can move on because because like you know like 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 berman yelled at me after a press conference last year and and for uh for unintentionally cutting him off in the press conference <laughs> did you <laughs> and yeah, yeah 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 and sometimes you just gotta just be like yeah yeah steve steve popper was like you should really apologize to him that was really unnecessary and berman just wouldn't apologize i was like it's fine it's mark like it really didn't bother me at all it's, like, it's just mark like mark does stuff makes me laugh i like he's, mark he's a, he's, he's a funny guy cracks me up anyway antonio daniels yes yeah, sorry antonio daniels he told me a story once great dude he's the color commentator for the new orleans pelicans and is amazing on the it's broadcast excellent. that is love that broadcast it's a great one a tier one one of the best yep. in the league for sure 100%. they're amazing yep. uh right up there with like the knicks and the blazers nets like that's a great broadcast so yep. um anyway he told me he played for the spurs in the 90s when they won their title in 99 he told me his first day in spurs camp he was young he was like early 20s it was the first day of training camp and they were doing like, like, like just like defensive shell drills or something. Okay. And David Robinson messed something up and Popovich stopped the practice and just oh. went off on David Robinson and like went crazy. And David Robinson just took it. And then in a, in a drill, like not long later, Tim Duncan, who was still young at this point, but was, mm already like star um, messed something up in like some small drill and pop went off on Tim Duncan in front of everybody just ripped him to shreds in front of everybody. And AD said he was there thinking just being like, Oh my God, that's what he does. To <laughs> David Robinson and Tim Duncan. Like, what's he going to do to me when I mess up? Holy crap. I better fall in line. And also if he yells at me, I better not say a damn thing. I better just take it. Uh, he then told me that he later learned that uh, 
pop would give Duncan and David Robinson warnings and be like, Hey, I'm going to go off on you in practice today. Just, Oh my God. Everybody follows. Seriously. Mm -hmm. Which a lot of guys, their pride would not, they wouldn't even entertain that. Forget they they would like, they wouldn't even take it fake. They wouldn't even take it fake. No, but apparently it was all staged. Um, but it, but AD was like, it worked, scared the crap out of me, and we won the title. So, <laughs> <laughs> so said, listen, worked out well. Um, listen, it Brunson, uh, anyway, I don't even know why I told that story, but I know it's, but it's, but it's, it's a great it's, story. It's great because look, it you know as well as anyone because you think about this shit more than anybody that in the NBA, it's I don't want to say it's it, it forget it's certainly not always about the talent, but like it's about it's you know fit. It's about the the culture and all of the things that sometimes are, we are buzzwords that we make fun of, but they're they're there for a reason. And like for this team to have rebounded from last year, and granted, other players have gotten better, and Julius has obviously rebounded. Um, but like for Brunson to come in and and do it, I mean, the impact is just like that's his you know that's his most improved player case. I am. And then just to close a loop on this, and then I, w- I will move on to the Mitch thing, is this like the idea of trading for a star now, whereas I think there was probably a question, or certainly a question last summer, like it didn't matter who you traded for, there was still going to be a question of, is there going to be enough left over? Now, I don't think there's any question and I don't want to we'll focus on that in the offseason because like this team is, has earned the right to have us talk about them and not what they could be doing in the summer but like I don't think there's any question now that if they brought in the right guy it's like oh, okay they're a full-fledged contender and you don't have to yeah. worry about it also at some point markets fluctuate it's not like for the rest of time now you have to trade four unprotected firsts yes. and three swaps for a star at some point the market turns. And the point that market turns is when somebody has a star they're trying to trade and nobody really has any picks to trade because they've all traded <laughs> for all the other stars already. And then the teams who have the picks are the teams like OKC who they're not using that to trade for a star this summer. Like that's nope. not happening. This shouldn't say it that definitively. I would be shocked. Your Oklahoma OKC. City Thunder. Yes, I would be shocked if they did something like that this upcoming summer. Um, you know, the teams with the picks, and that's just like down to just like the Knicks and New Orleans. Pel- I was about to say the Pelicans. Yeah. Orlando's not gonna do it, you know. Um OKC's not gonna do it. Uh Phoenix the Blazers would already would fancy themselves it. uh a possible, but they would there's the there problem needs to be some, is the I Blazers the already pick. Yeah. Right. They have a heavily protected pick all the way in Chicago. I, 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 I had, I mean, they could use the Knicks pick that they have. They could trade like the Knicks pick, which now is definitely going to convey now that the Knicks are making the playoffs. They have Knicks 2023 20, first rounder in the Josh Hart trade. They could try to trade that to get their own pick back and then use Simons and four firsts and swaps. Yeah. To make a big deal. I mean, that's definitely something they could do if they wanted to try to put somebody around Dame. Um, or they could try to find a way to get Draymond or something. I think they like there's there's always been like a little Draymond Portland thing. Really? Um, I, I just that. feel okay. like I just not not like not like a real thing, I mean. Just like a, just like a people on the internet being like he'd be really good with Dame thing. Well, maybe um, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Yeah, no, he would be good with Dame, and Lord knows they need the defensive help. But I don't you think that's that. turning them from 13th in the West to contention. Either way, the Blazers have to do some damn maneuvering in order to make this happen. And by the way, if I'm Chicago, I'm not doing it for like just the Knicks pick in the 20s. I'm saying, oh, you guys are desperate to do this. Give us <laughs> other stuff. Yeah, give us lots of stuff. Or if you want. Why don't we just wait until you find the trade that you want and we'll loop it in as a three teamer and then you'll be real desperate and you'll have to really send us stuff. And it's like it complicates things like the Knicks have a lot of good pieces. New Orleans has a lot of good pieces. That's another one. Uh, But it's it's at some point the market starts to dry up a little bit because there is a finite amount of currency. You can't just trade a a a. First round pick 107 years out. You can only trade one seven years out. 
Yep. So there's there's a finite amount of currency. It's like Monopoly. It's like when you get to the end of Monopoly, it's like it's only a couple, a couple people have all the money. <laughs> yeah, well, ideally one person has all the money and then, and then the game ends. Yeah, um, I clearly don't know how to play Monopoly. <laughs> my, I, I was always a big Monopoly fan growing up. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, Knicks fans? Power up for springtime with Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Get nutritious, chef-prepared meals delivered straight to your door, leaving you time and energy to tackle everything on your to-do list. Get Factor and not only skip the trip to the grocery store, but skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up, too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. No matter what your lifestyle, Factor has the meals to help you live it to the fullest with keto, calorie-smart, vegan veggie, and protein-plus meals on the menu each week. Prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. With 34 chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of more than 36 quick bites, smoothies, juices, and more satisfying add-ons. Looking to cut back on takeout? Get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper, but meals are ready quicker than restaurants 
restaurant delivery. Just two minutes. Also, eating vegan or veggie is a snap with Factor. Each meal has all the ingredients you want and nothing you don't. And if you're looking to mix it up, you can add a protein to your vegan and veggie meals each week. Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Don't hesitate. Head to factormeals.com slash filmschool50 and use the code filmschool50 to get 50% off your first box. Again, that's factormeals.com slash filmschool50 to get 50% off your first box. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Mitch. I want to talk about this and then we'll talk about Julius and then get you out of here. Uh, you have, so the story that we we were kind of playfully teasing before, I say whatever you want about it. I don't want to spoil it since I know a little bit of what it's about, but just like even taking a step back, the thing I'm most curious about, because clearly he lets his guard down around you guys in the locker room. I think there is how should I put this? Some modicum of concern amongst some in the fan base that like Mitch is Mitch is whatever Mitch is like, you know, the, the Twitter stuff and all that, it like rubs me like too goofy. You mean? Yeah. It's like rub teammates the wrong way. Does, do they feel like he's, you know, being selfish or anything the way I have always taken it. And maybe this is just because I've kind of talking to you a little bit offline is like, He's a big goofball, and I have to think any everybody who looks at him is like, oh, it's just Mitch, like it's just Mitch being Mitch, and not care. Can, can so can you as as you discuss your story that you have dropping, like just shed any light on this? Yeah. So before we discuss anything with the story, I have to put out a disclaimer. Normally, when I come on here and I say I have a story coming out next day or whatever, it's like I know for sure that it's coming out. It's possible. I, I said this on the last podcast. It's as of now, this is supposed to come out Wednesday morning. Yes. But my editor is yet to see it. He knows the subject matter. Okay. But it's possible that my editor sees this and says, there is absolutely no way. No way. This can ever see the light of day. This is the worst piece of crap I've ever seen. It is, it is about Mitchell Robinson's obsession, obsession for real. With a um, with a uh, a a New York Post back page headline that was an accidental euphemism. <laughs> accidental, just, we think, and he just won't stop talking about it. He just thinks it's so funny, and it's only about that. There is no point to the story. There's, there's no block percentage. There's no, no like. There's oh, no, no. There's no point. There's no moral. <laughs> There's no beginning, middle, and end. It is the biggest no waste moral. of time. There are no morals. It is it is the biggest waste of time. Uh, if you read it, you will be like, what have I done with my life? I, I need my last five minutes back. Okay. Yes, it. it is, it is go. going to be the biggest really waste selling of time. It, no, I mean, it's just the writing it was, and this is why you say like, I've been working on it for a while and, and but I haven't been working on it for a while. I've just been telling you about it for a while because I think it's so funny. I'm like, you've built this thing up even... to me like War and Peace. I know. <laughs> it's not even long. It's like really short. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> great. It's great. But it's it's just about the constant comments that he he's made about this this headline, and they're they're very funny. And I asked Mitch if it was okay with him if I if I wrote what he had said and all that and. He he told me that uh, the people got to know, as if he was like an advocate, well, not even not even a comedian, just an advocate for this. So, um, yeah, I mean, my thing with Mitch is, I don't, th- I don't think that stuff, you know, the complaining about his role and all that. I don't think it really rubs people the wrong way. Now, now, I I don't think Tibbs likes it. Oh, I don't really? think Tibbs is, I don't think he's, I mean, I don't think Tibbs like hates Mitch or anything like that. Yeah, no, no, I know what you mean. Tibbs like, is just a very, I just, I, he's a very no nonsense kind of guy. And yeah, that you could avoid distractions, avoid distractions. That definitely goes under the category of nonsense, you know, <laughs> and, and Tibbs is a very no nonsense kind of guy. He yeah. just doesn't want that stuff. He wants, you should be focused on basketball all the time. Everyone's got to make sacrifices. You sacrifice for the good of the team. Um, 
but I think ultimately the reason why, first of all, I do think people just kind of look at Mitch as like, ah, oh, Mitch is Mitch is Mitch. I, I, I do actually in the story have an RJ Barrett quote that he said to me once where he just says, Mitch, I, I asked him. So I, I don't even remember. I have it in the transcript. I asked him something about something that Mitch did um, when he was goofing around, something really funny that Mitch did. And I, and I asked RJ, like, is Mitch like this in like film sessions, like, like group film sessions. And RJ just got this really big smile. And he goes, Mitch is always Mitch. <laughs> and, That's great. Uh, yeah, it was great. great. It was great. It was really That's funny. Great. It was really funny. It was a great response. That's good. And, though. And, but, but he said it with like, you know, genuine appreciation. Not like, not like uh, I'm exhausted by Mitch always being Mitch. Like, uh, I just think he's always making guys in there laugh. Um, He's a, a, a huge jokester. He's told goofball. Like, I think, you know, I think after like the latest Snapchat when he was, you know, complaining about his role, yeah. like, I think most of the guys on the team thought it was funny. Like the, the one guy on the team who had the greatest argument to feel offended by it was Isaiah Hartenstein, who had closed over him the last few games. I was about and, to, yeah. And Hartenstein went out of his way to be like, no, I love like he and Mitch are are real close. They're really they're they've become really good friends this year. His, I'm uh, sure you were were you next to him for his soundbite? Uh, the New York basketball Twitter account put it out I think yesterday for his soundbite. I think I'm pretty sure it was after the yeah, it was after the Wizards game where he was like, We got a great thing going on. You know, I think Mitch was a little bit better than me today. And he should like he seems like a just a the perfect guy to be uh, to, in tandem with Robinson. Yeah. For sure. And, and they've also like, they very clearly become really good friends. Their lockers are always next to each other on the road. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And that's they, really they, cool. They follow. Yeah. Them, like the two of them and Jericho Sims, awesome. their lockers are, are always mm-hmm. together. Jericho's all quiet there. And they're like trying to goof around with Jericho and Jericho sits there stoically. And they, the two of them just, just goof. Like they, they get along really well. So, so the person who I think, probably would have the most reason to be upset about Mitch saying that because obviously if Mitch is complaining about how he should be playing more and getting the ball more, then obviously that means Hartenstein should be playing less. And I don't think Isaiah cared at all. Like he was just like, like he went out of his way to be like, Mitch is an amazing teammate to me and and he's a great guy. He went out of his way to say that and it didn't come off as like a cliche to me. I, I just don't think it's a locker room issue in part, by the way, because he doesn't do it on the court, you know, yeah. like, like if he just like started deviating from the offense and started posting guys up, then, then I think people would react differently, but he's still it's kind of like a follow his actions, not his words sort of thing. You know, he still comes out and he sets screens and he dives to the rim and he offensive rebounds and he, he protects the rim. It's like, he's playing the way that you would want him to play. You know, there was an instance in the wizards game where he had what I I haven't, I should go back and rewatch it. I thought he had a, a pretty good, like he was a few feet from the basket and I thought he, he was like a dribble move away. And I didn't think there was anyone in his, in his immediate vicinity and he kicked it right back out for an open three and whoever it was drained the three. Was that, was that an offensive rebound? I think that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So if he gets an offensive rebound inside the restricted area, he goes right up outside the restricted area. He looks it's to kick out for three. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's their philosophy. That's, that's really their cool. philosophy. That's why um, they, they, they have gotten, they have shot, they have a higher three point rate on second chance opportunities than any team in the NBA. That's a great stat. Yeah. It's because that's what they do. So it's, it's not just Mitch. It's anyone. If, if I, if Hartenstein gets one, that's why Hartenstein has started back tapping so much. You look, he, he will start to, he will back tap more when he's outside the restricted area, inside restricted area. He tries to grab it because he wants to go back up. So if he's in the restricted area, they, 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 they don't say you have to go back up, but if you have your shot, go for it. But if you're outside of it, look to the perimeter. The first place I know Mitch looks is he looks to the corner. Um, oh, okay. Well, that's a, smart. Often, yeah. Often you have a guy in the corner. That's his first read. His first read is the corner. And then he looks to the wing, but he's actually really good at those kickouts. Like for somebody who 
who we always talk about, like, isn't the guy who you're going to give the ball? He's not even really known as like some sort of great dribble handoff guy or anything like that. He doesn't put it on the floor. He's not really a passer. He's not, yeah, but, but that particular read, that particular type of pass, he's like extremely composed and very good at it. Like they are taking more threes on second chance opportunities than, and it's not, that's not volume, by the way, that's right. So more threes per second chance opportunity. They're taking more than any other team in the league. Uh, and, and the, the huge reason for that is because of his composure when he, it's not just his offensive rebounds. It's also how composed he is after he gets them. He's and, really good at that. And you reminded me actually of um, a clip that was in Benji's thread after the Cavs game, which I think is is going to be. Well, I know I know we're not doing our playoff preview today. To be very clear, I am aware of the podcast that we are doing next week. In case anybody was wondering, uh, but they yes, I'm coming. I'm coming back, and we can coming, discuss the details of the Mitch story if it ever comes out. It, I trust it will, and we will. There's a there's a, there's a like I'm going to say it's minimal, but there there is a world in which I file this story. My editor gives it one read, and he's just like, you know, you're fired, right? Like. <laughs> You no then longer get, are employed. Then we get you full time, which would be great. Yeah. Um, but the but the play that I'm thinking of that Benji threaded was when uh, they they threw it was a pretty hard double at I think it was I guessing it was Brunson I forget who quite frankly but Mitch was open for the short roll and they dumped it to him and he was pretty quick kick out pass to someone on the foul line extended who then kicked it to the corner and then it was an open three so like I feel like that's going to be um, important for. You know, if he, whenever he's on the floor in the in the Cleveland series, um, Julius. I want to talk about Julius before we get out of here. So your last thing that you wrote before Julius got hurt. Um, I'm just going to read the title of the article. Can Knicks, comma Julius Randall correct their troubling ways? Troubling, Fred. Troubling. Of I don't write my week. headlines. You don't. The only the only time I have ever given. We're taking this full circle. The Let's only time that I have ever even given a suggestion for a headline was is this Mitch article that I want to run tomorrow. And I just want to <laughs> bring it back. And I want to uh, call it I want to call it a meaningless anecdote about Mitchell Robinson. That's a great that's a but that's a that's a catchy that would get if I didn't know about it well, already. Well, because the only on other time I've ever done a story like this was about an interaction I had with PJ Tucker, which was equally as meaningless. And uh, I called it a meaningless anecdote about PJ Tucker. And I'm just going to make it into a thing. So next one's Mitchell Robinson. Maybe. Who knows? If, so, if it doesn't publish, I'll, I'll recite it on on this podcast. That's all I can <laughs> ask you to do. And I'm word for word though. It has to be. Um, so th- you posted that story, which you did not write the headline for before the Houston game. Um, Julius was, God, it seems like a million years ago now. For, from what I recall, he was fine in the Houston game. Um, I don't really, I, 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 I feel like maybe his defense was kind of as it had been for a while, but the, the story you posted was after the three straight games when he had gotten three straight technicals. Um, and one of which also saw him go off for 57 points. It, this seems like kind of an unfair thing to to talk about now because he's injured and the concern is just like getting him back on the court. And I'm totally on board with that. But like, where was your, where was your mind at in terms of Julius having covered this team last year and seeing all that came with that? And then seeing, like, did, were you, I mean, I don't know how else to ask this other than say, like, if you were a Nick fan, would you have been worried at what you had been seeing on, on the court from him? Yeah. Well, I think, okay. Now I remember the story you're referencing. The reason it was troubling ways was because it was right. That was after the quickly altercation. Yes. And that was why. And it was really just about, yeah. I mean, look, that looked very 2021 of Julius. Uh, he, to me, that's not a thing that you just get over and it's done. Like, like the quickly I'm not saying interaction, the quickly interaction. Okay. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that Julius and quickly all of a sudden hate each other forever. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, for example, and I, I, I thought about this after I wrote the story and I wished I had put it in the story. 
what I did put in that story was, I think, was earlier this year when Julius got ejected from that Sacramento game at MSG. He picked up two techs in the third oh, quarter yeah. of the game. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Like five minutes into the third quarter, he picked up two techs. Oh, yeah. And after the game, Tibbs said that we need to do a better job of holding him back. Everybody, the staff, That's players, right. whatever. It has to be a whole team effort to control him. a whole team effort to hold him back. Um, which really obviously alleviated a lot of the blame off of the 28 year old father of two who couldn't keep his composure. Right. And it was and, also in the midst of the winning streak. So I feel like, that did not get a and, lot of negative. and Julius was having an incredible game. He had 27 at the half. That's true. Yeah. And then the King started blitzing him at the start of the third quarter. And he was just slicing them up. Like when Julius struggles, it's because he can't read double teams, but every once in a while he'll, he'll, he'll recognize double teams real quick. And he'll just, and he's just becomes so difficult to guard when he's scoring. And, and the Kings, he was unguardable that game. It was unguardable. He just kept hitting RJ with this same pass to RJ. RJ was making this little cut to the nail every time. And Julius was just bouncing it to him. And RJ was hitting Mitch for lobs or layups or floaters or whatever. Um, Anyway, that's neither here nor there. No, it's important. Well, so during the quickly altercation or before the quickly altercation, quickly comes in and tries to pull him away, right? But his reward is that Julius yells at him really aggressively yes. in front of everybody. Yes. So next time Julius is going after a ref, is anyone going trying to pull him away? Like if 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 you want your teammates to pull you away, your coach wants your teammates to pull you away, then don't you at least owe them the respect of letting them pull you away? Or at least like if you're going to get aggressive, don't get aggressive with them for that action. Um, you know, I just, I wonder if, if guys are gonna just like pitter patter next time Julius gets like that and just be like, let him do his thing. I'm not ended up like quick, you know? Um, look, Julius is a chill guy, but like we've seen that he just randomly gets a short fuse sometimes. Like he, he has is, an edge to him. He has an edge to him. Yeah. I mean, I, he's been so, for the most part, so good this year that I I don't think they're really I'm concerned in the long term because of anything about that. I'm concerned because he's hurt. I mean, that who knows what's going to happen with the ankle. And and obviously it's going to be really hard for them to beat Cleveland if he's not able to play in that series or part of that series. Like we have no idea what's going to happen there. Um, but Julius has been so like he's had an incredible year. He's had an amazing year. And so I don't, I'm not going to say like, oh, this one thing happened three weeks ago, but like, I just think those things happen. They're kind of hard to get over a little bit, you know? I I think again, because last season was again, it, it, it was a whole season. It wasn't like it was a week or a month. It was a whole season that Julius, it was, it was just, he was very off as we, as we spoke about, I still remember the conversation we had and it was early on when you, when you made the very astute point that like, if it's going on this long, it's probably not about basketball, you know, and we, we still don't really, I mean, maybe, you know, but I I don't know. It still hasn't been reported, whatever may or may not have been going on this neither here nor there. But I think because it was so, it lasted for so long and like even though it was just a couple of games where it seems like the the, the as you say the 2021 ish Julius was coming back i know for me like it was just it was a very it, i was like whoa wait a minute what's what's going on here and it, it definitely set my antennas up as far as like heading into the playoffs um i yeah, just hope- i mean look oh sorry john I no no i just i just i hope it's i hope i, I feel silly in retrospect even we're having that fear that's all Look, the only reason that we're having this discussion the way that we are is because of how he was last season. Like, yes, yes Obi and yes. RJ got into it on the bench even more recently than Quickly and Julius did. Like, Obi and RJ were like legit into it. Tibbs had to jump in and throw RJ a stiff arm when he popped off the bench. Like, they legit got into it, but no one's concerned about it because they made up immediately and it really seemed to be a one time thing by, by, Every measure that I've seen, RJ and 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 Obi are legit friends. Um, they get along well. They're both 
the, you know, I think, I don't think there's like any, anything to be concerned about there. And it was a one-time thing. The reason that we're talking about Julius, the way that we're talking about him is because it isn't a one-time thing. You know, it's, it's something we saw so much last year. And I know that like, he's been so much better about that kind of stuff this year, but I know that like at the back of everyone's mind there is just like a, okay, he's been great, but like, but like, is this, there's just like a little thing. Like, is he going to continue to be great? Is that going to happen? Okay. There was the blip in the Sacramento game. Right. And then as soon as the Sacramento game is done that next day, he talks to us at practice and he, totally diffuses the whole thing. He like, he's like, man, I really lost my mind there. Right. And he's even like, he's like making fun of himself. You know, he's saying like, man, I just, I looked like I, I did last year. He's like, yeah, I even made a bet with someone that I wasn't going to get three texts this year. And right there. That was my third and my fourth. I guess I lost the bet. Like he was, he was, he was really poking fun of himself and he was very um, self-effacing and, and just totally diffuse it and made, made everybody convinced everybody and rightfully so that like this wasn't going to be a thing again. This was one time where he was frustrated and that was it. And it, it didn't happen again for a while. Uh, so, so I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm not like really that like overtly concerned about it or anything, but the, you know, it's just when last year goes the way last year goes, it's like everybody gets a little bit of PSD from it. You know, I didn't want to, yeah, I didn't want to use it how he acted last year. I didn't want to use the PTSD term, but that's that's the one I was going to use. Uh, speaking of PTSD, my uh, daughter is screaming bloody murder from the other room, which uh, is a signal that I must let you go, Fred Katz. This was great. Um, I, I, I cannot wait to read the Mitch story. In full disclosure, I'm more excited to talk to you next week because I really want to dig into a series that we don't know. It's 7 o'clock. The Nets... Uh, oh, I got to go get my... Um, Got to go get my uh, slow mo jersey on for for tonight. Um, so hopefully, but come time on, it's Yankees Phillies. Sorry. Got Domingo Herman on the mound. I'm, I'm all about. Oh, I'm all about Wolves Nets tonight. Uh, I would like to put this to bed. I would very much like for this Pacers game not to matter. But what I was going to say is very excited to to preview what I, I'm pretty sure is going to be Knicks Cavs next week because that. Um, I think that's going to be pretty juicy uh, to to get into that. Uh, oh, yeah. bef- before I let you go, can you, uh, as you always do, remind the fine folks at home if they somehow, somehow, some way, do not know where to find you and your amazing content, where they could do that? Well, when I'm not hacked on Twitter, you can follow me there at Fred Katz. Uh, you can read me over at The Athletic. I had that story that John so kindly mentioned earlier in the pod that was out um, on Monday. And, uh, you know, hopefully. I have this Mitch thing. Um, I'm going to have a lot of, I'm going to have a lot of stuff coming up leading into playoff week. Cause there's going to be that big lag between yes the playoffs. So I've got, I've got a quickly thing that I'm trying to write. Um, I'm hoping to get him either in Indiana Ooh. tomorrow. I'm in Indianapolis right now and I'm hoping to get him in, in Indiana tomorrow or, or on Friday, because um, there's a quickly thing I'd really like to write if I'm able to do it. Uh, I'm going to have series preview stuff, uh, might have a year-end wrap-up stuff. I also have a, a a almost as goofy as the Mitch one, Josh Hart story that um, I've started interviews on, but I don't know if I'm going to have the time to finish it or not, so I might just scrap it. But but I, I think I might. Josh Hart content. I think I might throw the 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 goofy Josh Hart story up somewhere at some point because there is a Mitchell Robinson quote in there that I've already gotten and it's so funny. <laughs> Look, man, uh, you're the only person I could say this about. I read every word that you write. Um, love it, love it, absolutely love it. And um, I until uh, tomorrow morning. <laughs> I'm gonna te- I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna. What time is it gonna? If it drops, it's gonna drop at like 9 a.m. Right. No, if it drops, I, th- I think it'll drop like earlier than that. I think it'll drop. Oh, like okay. Early I'm gonna. Yeah. Then you're gonna get an early text from me because I'm gonna wake up just to read that and then bother you about it. Um, Fred Katz of the Athletic, uh, you're you're always too kind with your time, and uh, it is. I will say this yet again: we are privileged to have you come and shed insight onto um, or on this team here in this format. So uh, oh, you guys, you guys do an amazing job. 
you know, you know how often I listen. So thank you. Man. Sometimes, Appreciate sometimes it. I like just coming into the super chat and trolling you. <laughs> but I didn't have to go and give you shit about that. Okay. Thank you, Fred. That was, that was fun. I really didn't. I'm sure it was. Sending in. I, I, I was going to send in more stuff, but I couldn't really keep up the pace. Yeah, it, it's, was, it's a, it's like the I wild West. Figure it out. I couldn't it's, figure it out for a while. The, texting him to Andrew. Fred, the very best <clears throat> was you like not knowing how to do it. So like, and then you figured out you could put in different decimal numbers and everything. So there we're like six super chats in before you knew you could include text or figured out how to include text. And by the end of the stream, you're just like four twelve at a time sending us super chats. Yeah. It was amazing. No, I, 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 John, I was really disappointed, honestly, that John didn't read, uh, the exact amount of money that I was I was tipping because I feel like just to, little, I was like, trying to yeah. I just, you know. yeah like for the audio listeners like they don't see that I was tipping like three dollars and seventeen cents yeah no it was incredible you're yeah. you're I was you're special so I was I I was I gave you guys a lot of money that night I, I, we, I we owe you <laughs> I, beers on me whenever we meet up in the beers are already on you because Obi Toppin's not gonna average twenty. Oh, Bingo! Also, right, I have to played 100 minutes with Randall. John's about to get thrown out his window if he doesn't <laughs> leave. So, thank you. All right, Fred. Bye, everybody. See <laughs> so, yes. <laughs>